Apple's new machine learning APIs, IBM brings the AI thunder, and robots on the lamb in Russia, plus a whole lot more on This Week in Machine Learning and AI. Hello and welcome to This Week in Machine Learning and AI, the podcast where I bring you the week's most interesting and important stories from the world of machine learning and artificial intelligence. I'm Sam Charrington, and today is Friday, June 17th, 2016. Hello, everyone, and happy Friday. Welcome to This Week in Machine Learning and AI. A quick housekeeping announcement before we jump into today's show. I launched a new website for the podcast. You can find it at https colon slash slash twimlai.com. That's T-W-I-M-L-A-I.com. You'll be able to find the show notes for this show and every show there. This show will be located at twimlai.com slash five, and previous shows will be numbered accordingly. So, did you hear the one about the robot who walked into a bar? He said he needed to loosen up, so the bartender served him a screwdriver. Wah, wah. How's that for a bad robot joke? What about if I asked if you heard the one about the robot that escaped and was wandering through the streets of Russia? Well, that actually happened. A robot created by a company called Promobot Labs was found wandering around the streets in Perm, Russia on Tuesday. According to a company co-founder, an engineer drove onto the company's testing ground and forgot to close the gates, so the robot escaped and went on his own little adventure. The robot, which is called the Promobot V2, is supposedly a self-learning machine and was designed for use in customer service scenarios. The robot's reportedly designed to be able to navigate its way through busy crowds like you'd find at a mall, and interact with the public by answering questions and giving information on directions and things like that. It's been taught to move independently, and that might explain how it found its way out onto the street. Another possible explanation, though, and this one was suggested by an article I read about the incident, is that a company called Promobot Labs, who made a Promobot, is out to promote itself, and this is just a big publicity stunt. One more robot joke, though, before we jump into the real news of the week. A robot and a software developer walked into a bar. The robot wasn't hurt, but the developer suffered a concussion. The bar was only slightly scratched. Next up, business news. This was a hotly anticipated week in technology circles as Apple brought its highly anticipated WWDC conference, or DubDub as the cool kids call it, to San Francisco. The company announced updates to the software that powers their four major platforms, Mac, iPhone, Apple Watch, and Apple TV. And for anyone who's been paying attention to the uh, tech developer conference season, the fact that they introduced new uh, machine learning and artificial intelligence features came as no surprise. Unlike what we saw at the recent Microsoft and Google developer conferences, 
I got the impression that Apple was more sprinkling in machine learning and artificial intelligence technologies than really making bet the company announcements. So what are some of the AI and machine learning related announcements that Apple made at this year's WWDC? Well, the company spent quite a bit of time talking about Siri, their voice-controlled virtual assistant. Siri is going to be brought over to the macOS desktop environment. Siri will be more tightly integrated with the Apple TV environment. But most importantly, Siri will now be open to third-party application developers on the iOS platform. This means that Siri users at least on the iPhone, can now interact with third-party applications as well as those applications provided by Apple. It's also exciting from a developer perspective because it unlocks a whole wealth of voice control possibilities and capabilities without developers having to invest in those capabilities themselves. Beyond Siri, the company talked about new capabilities for their desktop and iOS applications like Photos which will receive new facial and event recognition features. And finally, for developers, Apple's introducing a new operating system API called Basic Neural Networks, or BNNs. BNNs are a framework for running neural networks on Apple devices. You can think of it as similar to the TensorFlow running on iOS that we talked about last time. The BNN API doesn't support training of the neural nets. This means that applications built using the BNN API will need to supply pre-trained neural networks. This in and of itself isn't a concern as training the neural nets can be extremely computationally intensive and not something you're likely to want to do on a mobile platform, for example. But at least one of the articles that I read suggested that you'll only be able to use Apple provided training data, which would definitely limit developer flexibility. However, I didn't interpret the documentation that way myself. Beyond the new features, Apple just spent quite a bit of time talking up their machine learning and AI chops. They mentioned deep learning a bunch of times. They mentioned long short-term memory recurrent neural networks. Remember we talked about LSTM RNNs last time? Well, they mentioned those a bunch of times. The implication being that these underlying technologies are making their new capabilities smarter. They're making things like Siri smarter. They're making the photo app smarter. Uh, and that Apple is a place that is on top of the AI trend. If you ask me, though, Apple was caught a little bit flat-footed on machine learning and AI, and I think they know it. Now, if you read some of the articles in the press, you'll see reporters making up various excuses for them. Uh, well, they have less new AI features because Apple's more committed to UI polish than some of the other companies. Or, hey, they're not using AI as much because they care more about privacy. But really, I think that they were just caught flat-footed on this, and they're playing catch-up with companies like Google and Microsoft. Now, I'm not necessarily the biggest Apple fanboy out there, so Maybe someone else would have a different opinion on this, but I didn't really think that they brought the goods at WWDC with regards to machine learning and AI. 
Uh, I'd really like to hear your opinion. So hit me up on Twitter. I'm at Sam Charrington there. And let me know what you thought. If you're of a certain age that you remember the famous Apple 1984 commercial, you probably think of that company as the forward-thinking revolutionary that's hip to all the latest trends, whereas IBM is the humongous corporate monolith that is caught with both feet in the past. Well, in this case, you'd be wrong because IBM is bringing the thunder to AI. That's right. IBM and its subsidiary, The Weather Company, announced a new offering this week called Deep Thunder. Weather is actually big business. Companies use weather data to help predict consumer buying patterns, accurately forecast inventory requirements, plan things like promotions and maintenance, as well as assess a variety of different risks. That's why IBM bought the B2B and digital assets of the weather company late last year for an estimated $2 billion with a B dollars. Now we get to see a little bit more of what IBM had up its sleeve with the announcement of the new Deep Thunder weather forecasting system. Deep Thunder builds on the data and work of both the weather company as well as IBM's research scientists to produce a new platform for delivering hyper-local, short-term weather forecasts. The weather company processes over 100 terabytes of weather data each day. This includes government-provided data, as well as data from third-party feeds that provides information on things like vegetation and soil conditions. All of this data is run through machine learning models And those models allow Deep Thunder to predict the weather down to a resolution of two-tenths of a mile. On top of the hyper-local forecasts provided by this first set of machine learning models, a second layer of models allows IBM and the weather company to predict business impact based on the weather forecasts. An example here might be When a heat wave drives demand for air conditioner units, which increases power consumption, which drives demand for energy suppliers. This is a really interesting use case for machine learning and an example of the great work that IBM is doing in the field. If you're an internet giant, This was a great week to announce growing your machine learning team. Google, Microsoft, and Amazon all made announcements in this area. Google announced a new dedicated machine learning research group to be housed in their Zurich, Switzerland office. Zurich is already home to the teams behind Google's Knowledge Graph and their Allo virtual assistant. We talked about Knowledge Graph and Allo in show one. The team will be focused on three areas, machine learning and machine intelligence, natural language processing, and machine perception. Microsoft announced the acquisition of Wand Labs. Wand was working on integrating third-party services into chat experiences. Think services like Yelp, Uber, or Nest accessible via a messenger. 
the wand acquisition fits very nicely into the conversation as a platform initiative outlined by Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella at their Build conference back in March. For Amazon's part, it was announced this week that they've hired Carnegie Mellon University prof Alex Smola. Alex has been a machine learning professor at CMU since 2013. Prior to CMU, he has experience at Yahoo and Google and will be moving over to Amazon to run their cloud machine learning platform. I'm a huge believer in the potential of machine learning in the cloud, and it will be really interesting to follow along with what Alex is able to do over at Amazon. For our next segment, I'd like to review a handful of really interesting research papers that were published this week. One of the ways that we can judge how good an artificial intelligence is is in its ability to fool humans into thinking that it's in fact human. This is, of course, the famous Turing test named after computer scientist Alan Turing. This week, researchers from MIT's Computer Science and AI Lab demonstrated an algorithm that does a pretty good job on what they call the Turing test for sound. Specifically, this algorithm has learned how to predict sound based on video clips that it's shown. The video shared by these researchers demonstrating their work is extremely interesting. Basically, what they've done is they fed their algorithm an initial batch of a thousand videos showing sound being produced. They do things like beat on objects with a drumstick, rustle leaves, make sounds in water, etc. And they train their algorithm to learn the connections between the physical objects in the video and the sounds that they make when they're struck. Next, they show an input video to their algorithm. The input video also shows sounds being produced, but it itself doesn't have sound. The algorithm, though, based on what's in the video and the way the objects are being uh, struck, is able to calculate the appropriate sound characteristics like pitch, volume, uh, etc., and identify an audio clip that represents the sound in the video. Next, they feed their algorithm an input video. This input video also shows sound being produced, but it doesn't actually have sound itself. The algorithm, based on what it's learned about different objects and the sounds they make when they're struck and scraped, is able to calculate sound characteristics like the appropriate pitch and volume of the sound that should accompany each of these clips. The algorithm is then able to pull appropriate clips from a database that it knows about of tens of thousands of audio clips. And you can see in the video that it does a really good job of producing sounds that look like they fit the scenes that the algorithm is being fed. To do this, the team used a series of neural networks, a convolutional neural network to analyze the videos, and a recurrent neural network to pick the appropriate audio to accompany those videos. To validate their work, the researchers conducted an online survey of 400 participants and found that those participants were only able to identify the fake audio about 22% of the time. They've got plenty of room to improve, but 
this is still twice as effective as a previous version of their algorithm. Ultimately, the team's goal is to develop algorithms that would allow robots and other AI systems to identify the physical properties of various objects by analyzing the sounds that they make. This week, OpenAI, the nonprofit AI research company based in Silicon Valley and founded by Elon Musk late last year, published its first set of research results. The four papers that OpenAI published this week are all based loosely around the theme of generative machine learning models. Generative models are models that seek to create new information, as opposed to, for example, models that predict based on existing information. A couple of their papers are around the idea of generative adversarial networks. Generative adversarial networks are a really, really interesting area of research that are relatively new. They've been around for a couple of years or so. Basically, the idea is you're trying to train a, an, a machine learning model, a, a neural network, to produce new information, say images, but it's really expensive to have a human label whether those images are you know, good enough, whether they look real or whether they look fake. So let's train the produced images into another neural network called a discriminator neural network and have it grade those images, the target images, and then let's set up a feedback loop so that our target neural network is continually improved based on the feedback that it gets from the discriminator network. The two networks then, the target network and the discriminator network, are then basically playing a game against one another. The discriminator is constantly trying to distinguish real images from fake images, while the generator network is trying to create images that make the discriminator think that they are real. The goal of this research is to essentially teach neural networks what the real world looks like through these images. And the techniques have applications in a variety of image processing tasks, as well as other areas. Things like removing noise from images, filling in images that have been damaged, image restoration, uh, increasing the resolution of images, uh, and other predictive tasks as well. The next paper that I'd like to discuss also uses multiple learning algorithms in conjunction with one another to facilitate training. This one is published by researchers from Google DeepMind, and it's called Learning to Learn by Gradient Descent by Gradient Descent. Essentially, in tuning a gradient descent learning algorithm, you're trying to tune a variety of different parameters, and this is typically done by hand. And what the researchers present here are some approaches to using another machine learning model to tune the parameters of the target algorithm, what they call the, an optimizer tuning an optimizee. The research presented in this paper specifically focuses on the use of LSTM RNNs as the optimizer. The next paper that I wanted to mention today is from researchers at Google and it's all about how smart reply works. 
Smart Reply is the feature of Google's inbox email app that automatically suggests replies to the emails that you receive. The paper is all about how Smart Reply works. Hint, it's based on long short-term memory RNNs. And it walks through some of the challenges that are faced when applying LSTM RNNs to applications like Smart Reply and how they were able to overcome some of those. There was tons more AI and ML-related research published this week. And I'm curious, do you prefer me to talk about a handful of papers at a high level or dig in deeper into a smaller number of papers like I did in previous weeks? Reach out to me via Twitter and let me know. I want to squeeze in one more article before we close out for today. This one is by Stephen Merity. You can find him on Twitter at Smerity, S-M-E-R-I-T-Y. And Stephen's a senior AI and machine learning researcher at Metamine. That's a company that was acquired by Salesforce. He has a really interesting article up on his blog called In Deep Learning, Architecture Engineering is the New Feature Engineering. Machine learning practitioners know that the vast majority of time spent in developing machine learning models is spent in manipulating data and what's called feature engineering. Feature engineering is, put simply, the idea that while the data you have may have all the information that's required to train a machine learning model to produce the predictions that you want, it may not be available to the model in a way that the model is able to use. And so uh, feature engineering seeks to extract the, this information from your data and present it to your model in ways that help the model learn. Feature engineering is typically done by hand, and it's often a very iterative process. It's one of the hardest parts of the machine learning process. In many ways, deep learning promises to eliminate the days of handcrafted feature engineering. You just throw all of your data at a deep neural network and the various layers of that neural network will figure out what the right features are for the layers that uh, are beyond them. But as this description illustrates, this leaves the issue of how do you architect your neural networks? Stephen provides the example of using convolutional neural networks to extract information about a 2D image in a complex game. In this scenario, you might use a number of CNN layers to each extract specific types of information from the larger, more complex scene. And Stephen's argument is that to optimize the performance of a neural network architecture and recognizing elements of this scene, a human has to identify the areas that would benefit from applying a specific CNN to increase recognition, and that this is essentially the feature engineering of the neural network world. I thought this was a really interesting perspective on the challenges associated with creating robust deep learning models, and I encourage you to take a look at the post. All right, everyone, I hope you enjoyed this week's show. 
As always, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter. I'm at Sam Charrington, S-A-M-C-H-A-R-R-I-N-G-T-O-N there. And I'm really looking forward to hearing your thoughts, comments, ideas. If you'd like more information on one of today's stories, jump over to the new show website at twimlai.com, T-W-I-M-L-A-I.com. You'll find the show notes for today's episode at twimlai.com slash five, the number five. As always, if you did enjoy the show, I would appreciate a rating or review over on iTunes. You can reach the iTunes page for the show by visiting the show website at twimlai.com. Thanks so much for listening and catch you next week.